Here's one that, that Jesus often uses as well. A little yeast works with the whole batch of dough. Um, this is used um, negatively and positively by both Jesus and Paul. I have them all here on the screen. So it's used seven times in scripture. Negatively by Jesus when he's talking about the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's used negatively once by Paul in 1 Corinthians 5, get rid of the old yeast. Um, it's used positively by Jesus in the parable of the yeast where this is how the gospel works. And now Paul uses it in a positive way here in Galatians with let your life be yeast, you know, sort of in the world. So negative by Jesus is Matthew 16, Mark 8, and Luke, Luke 12. And negative by Paul is 1 Corinthians 5, 6 to 8. And then positively by Jesus in Matthew 13, 33 and Luke 13, 21. And then positively by Paul in the verse ahead of and in front of us, which is Galatians 5, 9. Uh-huh. Yeah. Actually, I think that's a chapter away. Luke 12, 1, Luke 13, 21. Yeah, but a chapter away. And uh, Matthew, though, um, uh, Matthew is a gigantic gospel, and uh, Luke is actually slightly longer, I think. No, 26 and 28 chapters, so Matthew is probably longer, but Matthew is, uh, is just a, an enormous gospel and filled with so much. Um, Luke's is maybe a little bit more chronological than topical. Matthew seems to be a little bit more topical sometimes, where it'll group parables and Miracles over here and parables over here and so forth. Although once in a while Luke is like that too, that the study of the Gospels is, is uh, uh, a remarkable study. I start in my Tuesday class, I start Matthew tomorrow. I actually don't know uh, who discovered yeast or why. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's an odd thing. I, I, I recently saw a YouTube video about somebody asking, where does, where does vinegar come from? And of course, I, you know, I, most of us know that vinegar is a byproduct of winemaking, but, but um, uh, uh, yeah, it's kind of the junk at the bottom of the of uh, when you're when you're making wine. And uh, that's also uh, in Old Testament times they don't talk about it, but you can find it in um, in, in uh, archaeologically still is another byproduct of winemaking was uh, fruit roll-ups. So the, the kind of the crud at the bottom of the, of the vat, when you poured out the, 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 the juice into the wine skin and then tied that off to, to ferment, is, and then you had this stuff at the bottom. And the, I don't know if kids or whoever found out that about two days later, it had hardened into kind of a jelly. Or maybe mom mixed in a little bit of, of jelly, which is a very primitive substance, you know, just ground up hoof, you know, basically of, you know, cow hoof. And um, and then it, and then they would roll it up and you could put a couple in your pocket or or, or in a bag all day and you know kind of eat these fruit roll ups, but they're there archaeologically. They find them sometimes in a bag or a pouch. Well, on the cross, it's 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 vinegar. Yeah, but but wine vinegar is a is a translation is an old translation of vinegar. It's where vinegar comes from. Yeah, vinegar is a just a byproduct of making wine. Keep it on with Paul here. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into, a confu into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. And 
Paul, I like how he puts in here, whoever that may be. Like, I, you might be reading this, you know, Glenn or whoever it was in Galatia that was doing this to people. Forgive me, I don't know if his name was actually Glenn. And so, brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? Sorry about the formatting there. In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. There were Judaizers actually accusing Paul of preaching circumcision. Isn't that crazy? I mean, of all the things that Paul says against circumcision, and there were some Judaizers saying, well, you know, Paul preaches circumcision. And the, but the devil loves to turn everything upside down so that somebody who's guilty just accuses everybody else of the same thing or something similar. Um, there, in, in, uh, in every decade, I had a professor tell us back in, keep in mind, this is back in the 1990s, I had a prof tell us, in every decade, there are obvious examples of this in every political debate. You know, going, you know, it doesn't matter who you go to, when you go to, it's always there. Um, and he was quoting things like that have been spoken against, like President Grant, and uh, you know, and then uh, more recently the the Roosevelts and and Kennedy and you know things like that. In in our time. There are some cases where you can hardly quote a politician without without tripping over this truth, you know that uh, the, the devil loves to turn everything upside down. As for those agitators, anastatuntes, um, stir uppers, those stir up you stir uppers. Um, I I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves now. Apokopsontai is a horrifying word. Um, then in, in the King James Version, it said, I wish they would go the whole way and cut themselves completely off. Paul is making a play on words with circumcision. So I, I wish you wouldn't just circumcise yourselves, but just chop the whole thing right off, like castrate yourselves um, or something along those lines. Uh, so he's, he's definitely in the middle of a very impassioned argument, I guess you would say. There are times where Luther also goes quite far with the things that he will say when he's worked up about something, you know. And I suppose we're all like that once in a while. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Here we come to the actual idea of freedom to serve God according to his will. So, your Christian freedom is not so that you get to go into the law and say, I'm not going to be accused of this, therefore I can do this, but rather to serve each other, um, uh, to, if you will, to indulge yourself in serving God in, in every single way. Can I just admit something, though? Before I went to Northwestern College to study to be a pastor, and I had gone to DMLC to try to study to become a teacher, although I was rejected, I was, I wasn't good enough for the teaching ministry, so I got kicked out. So here I am. But that's true. Another, another time, I'll tell you that story. But uh, uh, um, I had never, I had never in my life considered that Christian freedom could mean looking into the law and saying, "Oh, I could get away with it," until that was preached, uh, you know, in a, in a probably in a chapel sermon or something like that at Northwestern, like warning us not to do it. I had never even considered that. 
So I, I, I agree with Paul that sometimes I look into the law and it would some sins would never have occurred to me if the law had not been explained to me more fully. You know, so there are there are times I think for maybe for everybody where there are little aha moments in the law where ooh, I had never thought of that. And but then God of course comes up with an. Do you know that God comes up with an I had never thought of that statement? There's one sin where God said, that never occurred to me. It's offering your children to Molech in the book of Numbers, or in in Chronicles, I mean, where some of the kings actually offered their children as burnt offerings to this pagan god. Um, and And the Lord comes back to... To um, I I suppose it's uh, um, one of the Jehorams and then uh, and then Man- wicked King Manasseh and wickeder King Ammon, and God says that never occurred to me. You, you guys have done it. You you came up with a sin I didn't think of, you know. And I suppose there are more, but but when when God Himself says I hadn't thought of that, that's a that's a nasty sin. That's a horrifying sin. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's in Leviticus. Uh, so what is it? Leviticus 19, about 18, something like that. Do you have a footnote there, John? Leviticus 19, 18. 19, is it, oh, was I right? I was pretty close to it. Okay. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Um, if you... If you Keep on doing unloving things toward one another. What's going to happen? That's going to happen. It, it's going to happen back. Equal and opposite reaction. And what happens, it just gets worse and worse and worse. This is the plot of every mafia movie ever made, right? Um, yeah. So. so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Um, and here he's talking especially about things like revenge and so forth, but all the other desires of the flesh too. We're coming up on a passage that has that applies directly to life at, at school, but I'm gonna this is coming close to it, but not quite yet. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not able to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Uh, so that if you are led by the Spirit to do this or that or to say something, um, what if I make an error when I'm, say, um, trying to, when I'm trying to discipline my kids and I'm trying to use a godly concept, and I, but I make a mistake in what I'm saying? Is that error that I make sinful? Let's, let's, let's just understand that God sees what I'm trying to do and God does what Luther tells us to do, which is to take everything in the kindest possible way. Put the best construction on everything. Most of us learned in our catechism. If you have an oops, it's an okay oops. I was, in my vicar year, I was preaching a sermon on the prophet Jeremiah, a text of Jeremiah. The first third of the sermon, I gave background on the, on the, on the prophet. I climbed out of the pulpit afterwards and realized I had just told everybody the life story of Ezekiel. I mean, 
talking about wasting a third of my sermon, you know, it's like, oh, come on, how can I do that? And and uh, but I did it, and and um and uh, but and the but the thing was in the, in the little congregation where I was in the inner city of Milwaukee, did they have any idea what I had done? No, no. In fact, even my supervising pastor missed it. So, kind of okay, but uh, but I I. I beat myself up about it. And it was my wife who actually, didn't, she didn't quote this verse, but she reminded me what you did was for their benefit, not for their, not for their harm. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality. I preached, I, I taught the uh, Sixth Commandment in Catechism today. You know, we, we usually take one class period and do three commandments. We just did one today, just one. Uh, so sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. It's, it's funny, when, when um, a couple of us had catechism class, like pre-1980, we didn't have ca- witchcraft in the catechism. We had, um, uh, what did we have, horoscope or something like that. And, and now witchcraft is back in the catechism. Why? Because it's coming back into our culture. So Luther used witchcraft. And so when Professor Kuski translated the catechism again out of the German, he left witchcraft in. So witchcraft is back in the catechism now. No, the blue one, the light blue one. The brown one, it was kind of out for a while. It would be in the footnote, but not in the main text. The brown one was by by, by, uh, Gausewitz and uh, Milwaukee pastor. So uh, anyway, you can you the list though: hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Um, I just as a as sometimes when Paul gets into a list like this, I go into uh, which commandment is it mode. It's kind of a game. So I have I have kind of a list here. So sexual immorality, mostly the sixth, but I left one off. What else? Sexual immorality also violates two other commandments, really three. The tenth, you know, coveting your neighbor's spouse, potentially. And then the fifth, which is, you know, because there's harm done. And the first, all of these violate the first. That's the issue with, is that everything violates the first commandment. But generally, impurity, sixth, but also ninth and tenth. Debauchery. Fifth and sixth debauch, like 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 uh, going on a bender. I think is the term that they would have used when I was in high school. Is uh, uh, the fifth commandment because of the damage? Like if you're, you know, this is a drinking debauch, would be damaging which organ especially? The liver. Yeah. Uh, idolatry. First and third, or for second and third, or what have you. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. We teach the, we teach uh, Genesis to the seventh graders every year. Read through the whole book of Genesis. The pastors do at St. Paul's. And which of the girls was Jacob in love with of the two sisters? Rachel. 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 But Rachel is the one who is a thief and an idolater. And Leah's problem is she has weak eyes. You know, sometimes we don't really get what we should be looking for in a spouse. Um, and it's so dangerous. But but Rachel, and then of course Rachel dies giving birth to Benjamin. But um, And so Leah was a faithful life, wife for the rest of his life. But 
um, helped him raise all the other kids. But So witchcraft, first and second commandments, both hatred. Jesus says, the man who hates his brother has committed murder in his heart. Discord is, uh, you know, gossip and so forth. Jealousy, ninth, tenth, maybe eighth could be strung in there depending on how jealousy goes. The list continues, by the way, fits of rage. Selfish ambition, um, ninth and tenth, wanting things that aren't yours. That's coveting, basically. Um, dissensions, yeah, nine, ten, maybe seven. Stealing, eight. Um, gossiping and so forth, taking your neighbor's name in vain. Factions, uh, nine, ten, one, maybe fifth. Other places where factions could could get in there. Envy is basically covetousness. Drunkenness is uh, fifth commandment. Drunkenness can also affect the fourth commandment. A couple of these can as well with the family or the sixth, depending on your position in the family. Um, and orgies should have included uh, tenth, certainly there, as well as probably the fifth and maybe the fourth. Um, and all of them, the first commandment, all of these, um, there's, they're just uh, commandment after commandment. That, and all of these would violate the second commandment if people know that you're a Christian. Because you're violating the name that God has given to you as well. So, With some of them, one sin practically breaks the entire bank of the commandments. Um, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So live like this, walking in a sin, is different than falling into a sin. Right? So... The, the kid who in the aisle of the checkout aisle of the grocery store steals a candy bar is not in immediate danger of losing their soul forever in hell, right? They are in danger of, you know, some discipline, some corporal punishment, a good talking to and so forth, but not of losing their soul forever in hell. But a kid who then grows up to be a thief and lives as a thief, um, what about somebody who ends up with the disease? What's the disease for stealing? Kleptomania. Um, then what do you do if it's kleptomania? And they don't even know they're doing it. Oh, yeah, they can't stop. And then you need counseling. And, then, and I've spoken to people. Um, occasionally here in town, you have people who are, have various uh, disorders. I've spoken to people in... Um, the uh, the state security hospital in uh, St. Peter, you know, with issues like that, and yeah, and um, and on the fourth floor here in town at the hospital, and people who need help, and sometimes they just have no idea, you know, just didn't even realize it, and where it's kleptomania, it's uh, it's an inconvenience to a lot of people, but when it becomes something like physical abuse, oh, that's oh oh. They don't even know that they're doing it. Sometimes alcohol and drugs certainly can bring that into a family and can last for generations because the habit is there, and it gets there. When when the Lord says in the in the, it's actually in the third commandment, but Luther moved it to the end, um, punishing um, to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. There there's there's something to that idea because a sin. When it gets into a family, can can it can take four generations to get out of a family. 
you know, like the the um, the uh, the actions, the habits of alcoholism, which um, my great grandfather and grandfather were alcoholics. My to the point where Grandpa was drinking on the job, you know. Um, my dad has an um, an amazing tolerance for alcohol. I've never seen a man who could drink like my dad and hardly be affected. And he didn't let it really get to him because he took it easy. You know, the, it's like, like kind of accepting his birthday, you know. I love a brandy old-fashioned. How big? A quart. Okay, you know. And, but then, but, but it hardly affects him. And he and, 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 and dad was getting away from it. My brother and sister and I, all addicted to caffeine. And my cousins. So a different kind of addiction. My sons, half caffeine addiction half not so how you know how many generations does it take to get out of this three four five something like that well we learn we learn from our parents we learn parenting and we learn positives as well as negatives um and uh uh and then our own personalities get mixed up in there so parents who will never raise their voice can still raise children who would scream you know, like, where, where did that come from? I don't, I don't, well, maybe, well, maybe it was my mother. You know, it wasn't me. It skipped a generation, but maybe it's there somehow and or came out of something else or whatever it was. Paul's emphasis here in these late verses of the chapter is on the characteristics of those sins, those who live in those sins. For those of us who stumble in them and look in repentance to Christ, there's always forgiveness. So just a couple verses left. Um, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I've met more than one individual, and often they have, they're either in AA or NA, Alcoholics or Narcotics Anonymous, and they often have all the, fruit of the fruits of the Spirit tattooed on their arm. But the problem is they don't realize that the verses that have the fruits of the Spirit are in several books of the Bible and the lists are always different. And they get mad when you're doing a Bible study and you've got a list of the fruits of the Spirit and it's not what they have tattooed on their arm. And it's like, I'm sorry, but it's different from one book. You know, the, there's a lot of fruits of the Spirit. There's more than just seven. You know, there's you know, probably 20 and the, the fruits of the Spirit and, and more than that even. But uh, Paul loves lists like Luther loves lists. And so once in a while, he just hauls off. And how many are in this one? Love, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine in this, in this list, right? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's nine. Um, so that's definitely not just seven fruits of the Spirit, but there are, there are other lists. Um, and we could probably do an individual Bible study on each one of these words, you know, I'm just going to notice them and we're going to move on. But I like how Paul says, against such things, there's no law. No law against being gentle. No law against self-control. Um, no law against kindness. Although, be careful. If you run into the right sinner, they might be furious if you exercise these things. So, be careful. There were guys in my hometown when I was growing up. They belonged to a, um, what do they call them? Um, a white supremacist group. So this is back in the in the 60s and 70s. There was a group back in my hometown of Poinette 
and but a, a, a small white supremacist group. I don't even know if they still exist. But our dads told us kids to walk when you, when you don't walk past their house. You know, if you got to go down that street, you cross the street before you go past that house, and you don't go in there. You don't trick or treat there. You don't deliver food there. If you if you if some of my classmates were delivery boys, leave the bag and knock, even if it's raining. You don't don't go in there. Um, and uh, some of those guys um, would come out, and if you expressed peaceful, kind, gentle feelings toward an individual who they didn't like, you became guilty of something in their eyes. So that's, but Christians are going to face persecution for all kinds of reasons. Um, Those who belong to Christ have been, have rather crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Paul here uses a military word. Keeping in step is keeping in marching step. In left, right, left, right, left, right. That's the kind of in step he means. You're going to walk left, right, left, right, marching with the Spirit of God. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. But that verse that I have underlined there, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, that's a verse that was it a school motto here at St. Paul's a couple years ago. I think it was just maybe three years ago or something like that. Um, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm delighted by a passage like that being the school theme passage. But I want to make sure that we're uh, approaching it from a law and gospel perspective and not, as it could be, purely from a law perspective. Can you see how this, you know, like, let us keep can be translated to we should or we have to. Keep in step with the Spirit, and that's dangerous. So our chapel preaching, for example, has to remind us of Christ and what he's done. Um, <clears throat> I don't think we've ever at St. Paul's done, we, we haven't always done theme verses. That's kind of a, the last 30 years kind of a thing, I think. But before then, I don't think that was ever done. Um, but I, I've kind of wondered if we would take the, the sections of the, of, the, of the catechism, you know, and find theme verses out of there rather than kind of these more, I'll, I'll call them almost random, usually epistles and proverbs, you know, passages uh, for the theme verse for the school. But just to remind us of who, you know, where our victory comes from in Christ and so forth. You know, it's, it is by grace you have been saved. That'd be a great theme verse for this school. But this is how Paul ends the chapter. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. This is how we love. Why don't we close with, uh, with the Lord's Prayer today. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.